This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. In my opinion, the problem with Christianity and the Old Testament writings before Jesus is that we have neglected our mother spirit, Sophia. She is clearly identified and discussed in the Bible, but the writers and founders of Christianity, all men, have neglected to identify her as a central figure in our faith. Why were the early writers, the early Christian founders, and Christians of this day so offended by the idea of God being female? First, Western thinkers struggle with both and. We like to compartmentalize everything into this box or that box. We have a hard time understanding that God could be both male and female. Oh, doesn't that come a little close to identifying God as gender fluid? And we don't like that one. But Eastern thinkers, Jesus being one, easily embrace the idea of both and. They easily recognize the yin and yang of most concepts in all things. This is called non-duality. They embrace the idea that two or more things can be true at the same time. Christians today like to think in the dualistic terms of either or. Everything is either holy or evil, right or wrong, bad or good. Unfortunately for them, the Bible is a collection of non-dualistic concepts. Second, Early canon collectors saw women as weak. Let's face it. Men throughout history have seen women as weak. The fragile, too emotional sex that must be dominated and ruled with a firm hand. Left to our own devices, we are too permissible, too mouthy, too inconsistent, too weak. I don't know about you, but I often heard these words spoken about me or my sisters. So, God is described as a strong male warrior. He provides for and protects his family. Great. But the problem with describing God as only male is that he too often jumps over the toxic extreme attributes of masculinity without the much-needed female characteristics. Look around you. A lot of men are so deeply offended by the idea of balanced anima-animus energy. They cannot tolerate the idea that the softer female characteristics of nurturing, protecting, and emotional attunement could possibly describe them or their God. So, we have an epidemic of toxic masculine men who refuse to recognize the female attributes of God and refuse to grow their own emotional intelligence. Now, in fairness, I have noticed women taking this concept to the other extreme— Remember, we are either-or thinkers. Some women have run with this concept and yelling out in the streets, God is female, the future is female. 
without recognizing that God is both and. Ladies, toxic femininity is also a thing. So, how is all of this sitting with you? Do you find yourself angry or resistant to the idea of God being also female? Why? What do you think might happen if Christians begin to embrace Mother God? Notice feelings that surface. Anger, fear, dismissiveness. What might happen to you if you become more receptive of the feminine attributes of God? How might this understanding of scripture change you for the better? Brittany. Valeria interviews Dr. Brittany Dahl. She is a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. Her doctorate research centered on rebuilding self-agency after experiencing religious trauma. In her private practice, Dr. Brittany primarily works with women who have experienced trauma in childhood, relationships, or religious cult experiences. Meet Dr. Brittany at brittanydahl.com and christiansanity.podia.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Brittany Dahl. In your own words, who am I speaking with today? Hi there. My name is Dr. Brittany Dahl. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I specialize in helping others recover from traumatic experiences in their life, especially uh, those experiences where they have been abused or coerced by others. What is the purpose of the human experience? I believe our purpose is really about awakening and enlightenment. So to promote God's ideas of love here on earth, to become wise and whole as we seek that enlightenment. At this time, what is the purpose of your life? Well, I am entering into my, quote, crone years of life, uh, and I'm doing that gladly. I find such value in aging and being a voice for the women around me. I've been through a lot in my life. I've had a lot of experiences of pain and suffering, um, but I have always valued healing and using the pain that I've experienced to learn and to grow, which might sound a bit cliche, but um, I'll give you an example. In 2003, I lost a son, and I remember at the time thinking that I would never be the same. Um, If you've seen Lord of the Rings, it's like this trilogy that if you watch the extended version is like 12 hours long, right? And so the characters are all going through these intense, terrible experiences. But at the end of the movie, um, they're all, the, the hobbits are sitting in the pub around a table. They're all drinking beer and everyone around them is just carrying on with life as usual. But they're all looking at each other like we've experienced something that only we understand and it has changed our life. We'll never be the same. But there's something really beautiful and valuable to that. So I remember feeling that way after I had experienced this incredibly deep loss. And it was a change, but it wasn't necessarily a negative change that I could now relate to so many more women 
that had experienced child loss. And it was as if this whole new world had been opened to me because of the pain that I'd experienced. So I use these experiences in my therapeutic practice. Now, I don't necessarily tell my entire life story, but I use the lessons that I have learned to help others. And I don't take my work and my role for granted. I really see myself as someone who walks along with others that are also in pain, kind of as a guide to help them find their own healing. I really use an eclectic form of therapy that pulls from many different modalities and even spiritual mediums, a lot of different things um, to help my clients find their own inner wisdom and to heal from the traumatic experiences of their past. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Well, I think healing and freedom is really about being free from fear. We know a lot more now about how fear sits in our bodies and does significant damage to our internal organs. Um, Take the adverse childhood experiences study and seeing how children that have experienced trauma um, unless that is healed and regulated, can go on to create significant sickness and disease and even early death in the body. So it is uh, in my work with clients that we do a lot of body work, such as mindfulness and uh, polyvagal regulation and energy psychology methods, such as the emotional freedom technique, and just learning how to clear the body of trauma and to regulate the emotional mind, this is such powerful work. And once you learn how to do that, um, I also do some guided imagery techniques to help clients protect their energy fields and to clear and cleanse their energy fields. Once they learn how to do that, um, they can then come to a really powerful understanding of what freedom means because there's not much that um, can cause you fear. And even if it does cause you fear, then getting to what is the root of that fear and then being able to manage that and work with that and cleanse that and clear that is really uh, the power of freedom. What, where, and who is God to you? I was raised to know the Christian male version of God, uh, like many in the West, Um, but I have come to understand God as so much more than that. So I went to Bible college and received a degree in biblical studies, and it was in my studying that I learned that the Bible clearly uses feminine words and phrases for God, calling the Spirit Sophia. Uh, which is wisdom, and saying that God gathers her people like a mother hen. She is a woman in labor, giving birth to creation. She nurses us at her breast. And it is so clear that God is also female. And um, unfortunately, Western evangelical Christianity has left this out. So as a young girl being raised in this religion, I often felt excluded and unseen that 
God was male, the people on stage were male, the leaders of the church were male, you know, the head of the household was male. Um, so it really made me feel less than um, when I was in the church. Now, my personal experience was God, with God was always very personable, and I always felt very seen and loved by God when I was experiencing God in nature. So as a little girl, I was raised in the country, and I would go into the cornfields and find the spaces where the corn had not grown. And it was like a little grove of corn stalks all around me. And it was in these places that I would just sit and think and play and pray um, as a very little girl, you know, seven or eight years old, that I knew that the experience that I was having with God was different than what I was learning about in church. Um, so when I came to understand that God or my my spirit, my source was also female, it really shifted everything about how I saw the world and how I saw myself and others. So why did you choose to do what do you do? So really based on my previous experiences with the Christian church was what led me to do what I do now. So my doctoral research focused on coercive control in the church and how that undermines a person's self-agency. Um, I was noticing that a lot of the clients that I had um, that had been raised in the Christian church, so many of them did not know what they thought or believed. So much of it was what they had been told. Um, and so there was this personal empowerment that was needed for them to really think through what it was that they believed and thought and wanted for their life. So then I studied how being raised in um, certain churches, not every church is, is the same way, but um, that churches that really came uh, from this coercive controlling position had undermined self-agency in uh, so many of my own clients and then the research that I looked at uh, a lot of other people's stories as well. So the work that I do really focuses on helping people heal from their church experiences and find their own beliefs, their own life journey. Uh, like I said before, um, being free from fear and recognizing that so much of the fear that they were experiencing was really the teachings and the beliefs of other people, then that they could choose to be free of that fear and come to uh, beliefs and a faith that worked for them, a spirituality that worked for them. And I, I do work primarily with women, and it's interesting that um, the majority of the women that I work with really find freedom and a spiritual connection in nature. So um, I now consider myself to be a Christo-pagan. Um, I 
really uh, find my own personal spirituality uh, and the the power of that uh, connection with God to be through nature and earth spirituality. And um, my ancestors are uh, Scottish and Irish, and so, um, you know, really studying a lot more the the Druid uh, traditions and connection to trees and nature. And that has been a really powerful work for me. And so that's my personal journey. But I am, in the work that I do, helping clients find their own story and their own journey that works for them. So um, I was really angry about the church and about the coercion that I experienced in the church for many years. So in my own personal healing journey, I've come through that anger and come through the fear. And I now am at a place where I can look back with humor and um, laugh about it and, uh, and pass some of that along. So I have a podcast called Christian Sanity, where we discuss some of the funny things that we experienced. Um, my co-podcaster, Kristen, and I, we talk about some of the ironic and weird things that we experienced in the church um, through a comedic lens. And it is through laughing about it that I've also found a lot of healing. So um, through my my personal therapeutic work, but also to uh, do my podcast, which is the place where I can laugh about some of these things that um, I have really found a lot of joy. What was the inspiration, intention, and purpose of writing your book? My book, which is the workbook for healing religious trauma, was really... Um, kind of a manual for my own clients, but then I put it out there in ebook form to help people begin to heal from any kind of religious trauma that they might be having. Again, it was about that empowerment piece. I wanted a, a workbook or a tool that could help people begin to really think through some of these important things that they had experienced in the church. So just the first thing being Let's look at the image of God that you had when you were growing up or when you were in the church. So mine and a lot of other people in the evangelical church, they were taught that God was male and often God was a vengeful, jealous God. And some of those archetypes are not really working for them anymore. So in the workbook, I help them think through do they believe in God? Do they do they want a God figure? What does that God figure look like? And to be able to uh, start to think through some of these things and to de- to develop some critical thinking, so that they can come to uh, a place of uh, understanding in their own life, something that works for them. Again, um, one of the concerns that I had was that because some of my clients had been in the church where they were told what to think and told what to believe, that they would just come to me as their therapist and now kind of expect that I was going to tell them what to think and believe. And 
um, that I was kind of taking this new place of authority in their life. And I did not want that in any way, shape or form. So, um, this workbook was an opportunity for me to, uh, help them kind of think some things through. What do you believe about God? What, what are kind of your moral, uh, compass positions now? What are some of the things that you want to let go of that you once believed? What are some of the new things that you want to, um, hold on to? So this workbook is an opportunity for people to do that. And I found that it has been really successful in being that kind of guide. Um, because again, it's not, about just taking on some new person's beliefs. It's about you really thinking through and discovering what it is that you want for your own life. We are almost at the end of our conversation and I have two final questions for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Oh man, this is a really good question. Um, I am always making changes. I think that to become stagnant and just a person who was waiting out uh, the end, or if I knew I was going to die soon and that I was going to lose my body, um, and I was just waiting for the end, I think that would be the most uh, detrimental part of that. So I would never do that. I think that I would just continue to make changes. I think I would. Um, yeah, I'm always making changes. I'm always learning new things. Um, I just want to, I think it's a life philosophy for me that I want to continue to grow and change and better myself. I'm very introspective. So if I notice that there are things about me that need to be changed, then I kind of work on changing them. Um, this is my first year as an empty nester. So uh, that's been something that's been difficult to deal with. Um, kind of finding a new role in my children's lives that, you know, I'm not parent I haven't been a parent to them in a long time. I am now a support to them. But I've had to kind of take their lead and ask them what support looks like in their life. Um, I have two sons, so that doesn't mean calling them every day. That's not what they want. Um, or, you know, having too much of a voice in their life. And uh, that's been hard, but it's also been really good. It's been good seeing them become uh, men stepping into manhood and finding other support persons in their life. And of course, I hold a valuable place in their lives. Um, we will always have a good relationship, but it is always shifting and changing. And so I have had to kind of consider what this looks like for me now, uh, what my role as mother looks like and how that is shifting. So that also means that I have a lot more time and um, opportunity to develop some new hobbies or 
to take some different classes. Um, I was, I recognized that I was afraid of horses. I've been afraid of horses my entire life. And I was like, hmm, I think that's something that I'd like to work on. So I started volunteering on a horse farm, doing some barn chores. And uh, that was really fun for me. And I grew to recognize my love for horses and that there was a real value in that. And I'm, I'm glad that even that's, that that's just like a small thing, it felt really valuable that I thought I don't want to live the rest of my life being afraid of horses when I know that they are valuable to so many people. So that was just a small thing. Um, I'm learning some shamanic work and learning about druidism and uh, about herbs and crystals and, again, my uh, tie to nature. I'm trying to learn more. And um, so, you know, continuing my path of learning and growing and changing and shifting, I think will continue until the day that I die. And that's really how I want it to be. What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Well, um, I, again, a very important kind of life philosophy for me. Um, and I think this was when I was in Bible college and I was recognizing the pain and trauma that I experienced in the church um, and trying to find my own way in my faith beliefs that I just, just decided to stay at a place of unknowing that things that I, quote, know for sure um, could change tomorrow. You know, I learn a new bit of information and what I, quote, knew yesterday is not what I know today. Um, there's an author, his name is Pete Enns, and he wrote a book called The Sin of Certainty. And uh, it's a really powerful book about um, just being uh, and finding this place of uncertainty and that it's okay to not know things for sure or at least holding loosely to what we believe we know um, and always being in a place of um, welcoming change and new information into our life. So, um, you know, what I believe and hold deeply, what I believe I know in my heart is that I am deeply loved by God, by the universe, by nature. I am deeply loved. And sometimes that love pushes me in some difficult ways. It can be painful. It can be challenging. It, it challenges me to never stay in one place. It does challenge the ways that I might be hurting others. Um, but it comes from a deep, deep place of love. I believe that in my heart of hearts. I believe that there is so much 
compassion surrounding each one of us. I don't know why hard things happen. I don't know why there is pain and why there is suffering. I think that is just the way of of humanity. Um, It is just the way of the earth. But I believe that there is great self-compassion surrounding every one of us, and I I have seen that to be true in every single client that I've worked with. I know for sure um, that my clients are definitely my heroes. They show up for themselves day after day after day, and they, and they press into hard places, and they continue to heal, and they continue to grow. And, and it is their example that keeps me going. This is why I do what I do. Talk to me for a moment about the services you offer. My client work is centered in Ohio, where I live. Um, So I see clients in Ohio. And so any client that's looking for a therapist to kind of help them through some of these traumatic experiences, religious trauma, body work, and deep healing, um, then that is definitely something that I offer. Um, I'm also a writer and a speaker podcaster. If you would like to host me on your podcast, I would love to be a guest. Um, I do speaking engagements. I uh, teach about trauma-informed care and what that looks like in different organizations or churches um, that a person can experience trauma, but an organization can experience trauma as well. And both can find healing. It just takes a lot of work and uh, we can get there. So that is something that I do with clients and with uh, organizations. I could offer that. Um, I also have the resources on my website, which is www.brittanydahl.com. And I have some resources. I have some worksheets and books and writings and things that people um, can find on my website. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, services, and future projects? Well, you can find me on my website at brittanydahl.com. Um, I am also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my email is bdahl at brittanydahl.com. And uh, feel free to reach out to me at any time. You can also find my podcast, which is Christian Sanity, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you uh, get your podcasts. If you would like to be a guest on Christian Sanity, please reach out to me. We would love to have you. We, Like I said, we like to discuss some of the, the crazy, funny things that, that we have experienced in Christianity. So um, if that sounds like Uh, something that would be fun and healing for you, please get in touch with me. I'd love that. Thank you so much for your presence, for sharing your wisdom and doing what you do. Thank you so much for having me today. This has been a real joy. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate your podcast. And thank you, everyone, for listening.
Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Brittany Dahl and her work, please visit brittanydahl.com and christiansanity.podia.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.